That's a clown question, bro. Hey, what's up on you? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome back to the show to be named later where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. Part two of episode 42. Talking Jackie Robinson episode. The Jackie Robinson episode. Um, the, the Mariano Rivera episode. The Mo Vaughn episode. Yep. Well, everyone before him. But we are talking about the 2014 Baltimore Orioles today. A powerful, powerful team. What direction were they going in, in t- prior to 2014? Well, Chris, in 2013, the Orioles went 85-77, and 77, missing the playoffs. And it was actually a down year from 2012 because they made the playoffs in 2012. So over the offseason, they lose Jim Johnson, their closer, but they signed Delman Young. They signed Ubaldo Jimenez as a starter. They signed Nelson Cruz, a big power bat from Texas. And Bleacher Report had them finishing fourth in the AL East. And also... SB Nation had a preview article about them where they said, quote, the Orioles did well to acquire Abaldo Jimenez at the last second, and they're probably underrated too, but the rotation isn't really quite good enough yet. That's from SB Nation once again. Also, the $96 million payroll that they had ranked fourth in the AL East. And this was a significant year for the club. You know, they had uh, guys like Nick Markakis and even Cruz, who was only on a one-year deal, you know, pending free agency. But just historically speaking, it was the team's 60th anniversary. So, you know, they got the patches on their jerseys. They got the emblems on their baseballs. You know, you want to look at that logo and remember a good season and not something bad, you know. As Red Sox fans, we look at the Fenway 100 sticker and think, oh, 2012, bad. Yeah, yeah. So you, don't, you don't want Orioles fans doing that with the, with the 60th anniversary. Yeah. When I, see, when I see Fenway 100 years, I just think of Daisuke Matsuzaka having like a 12 ERA. Yes. Yeah. It's it terrible. But the Orioles in 2014, they got off to a great note, as you're about to see uh, on opening day 2014. Nelson Cruz. Facing those Boston Red Sox. Heading fifth in left field. Welcome to Baltimore, number 23, Nelson Cruz. Two ball, two strike count, runners off first and second base. And that one lifted in the air left field. Wind blowing that way near the wall and caught. Snow cone by Cruz, but he came up with it. Trying to judge where that wall was. He puts it away, carried by the breeze. Here's the 3-2 delivery. Cruz will take it, and he's on with a walk. And you don't get many of those from Lester, and it's a leadoff walk. Really the back end. Left field, hasn't got it up. Nelson Cruz, goodbye, home run. Welcome to Baltimore. Ortiz in the air, drives it left center field. Runners not tagging up. Cruz will get it back in. And there are two down. Well, Tommy Hunter made some really good pitches right there on David Ortiz. 
So Nelson Cruz makes his mark in Baltimore from day one. But that, that win against the Red Sox on opening day uh, was not an indicator of how exactly they started. They ended up starting one and four. And at the end of April, they were at a 12 and 12 record. And at the end of May, they were at a 27 and 27 record. And they also had a negative run differential. And, you know, with this mediocre record, they were four and a half games out of first place in that American League East division. Certainly weren't behind the Red Sox, but uh, they were they were behind nonetheless. It was an offensively driven team for sure, uh, especially at the beginning. The team ranked sixth in OPS and you know, they sixth in OPS top offense. And in the MLB, they ranked 25th in earned run average. So pitching definitely needed to pick it up there. Uh, but Nelson Cruz was part of that uh, offense that was able to produce that top OPS. Nelson Cruz, uh, at this point in uh, at the end of May, he was slashing 315, 383, 675 for a 1057 OPS. His slugging at the time, that 675 slugging, that led the league. He also led the league in uh, isolated power with 360, uh, weighted runs created plus with 191, and he was the first player in the majors with 20 home runs. And speaking of home runs, his teammate, uh, Chris Davis, who had been there setting a, setting a uh, reputation as a home run hitter previously had 53 homers the previous year. Uh, Chris Davis has a spectacular day in the city of Pittsburgh, the place that Hannes Wagner previously presented. Right. Trouble doing that, and then they had some power arms, not only to the Tigers. That'll go to the shift. It's knocked down. Walker, the throw, it's way off. And it'll go to the catcher, throw back to Tag Davis, and he's safe. Great play. Runners at first and second. Ball drilled in the air. It is way back in right field. And goodbye. Chris Davis delivers a two-RBI homer for the Orioles. And I mean, that's a Davis shot. His fourth home run of the season. RBI 16 and 17. And did he ever launch that one off Lariano? Yeah, very much like the home run he hit off of Jeremy Guthrie in Kansas City. <laughs> it was like a brickyard. That uh -oh. one is tagged again. Davis, has he got another one? And goodbye, home run, Chris Davis. A multi-homer night. He had a home run in the fifth inning, his fourth. He's got another one in the seventh, his fifth. The crush yeah. is back. Yeah, and they're not cheapies. Well, a moment of reflection yesterday on the off day, and it's all about timing. Homers he hit last year. Shift on in the infield against him, oh. and he drives it deep, way back into the corner, and goodbye, home run! Chris Davis has a three home run ball game, and the Oriole fans on their feet, and what a night! For the Orioles first baseman home runs numbers four five and six all coming here at PNC Park in Pittsburgh for the Orioles who have been searching for the home run ball have they ever found it tonight.
So a spectacular day from Chris Davis. You know, he was struggling before, and he finally found that home run stroke. But after May, you know, they're still 27 and 27. And that leads into, you know, where the tides turn a little bit uh, heading into the summer. So in June, uh, they went 16 and 12. And at the end of June, they were one game out of first place in the American League, you know, at the end of June. Adam Jones had an unbelievable June. He slashed 348, 383, 643 for a 1026 OPS. His nine home runs in the month of June was second in the league. He also had 1.8 wins above replacement in that single month and 187 weighted runs created plus. And uh, Orioles hitters had a beautiful, nice 6.9 wins above replacement during the month. That led the league, and they also led the league that month in home runs. You know, Gary Thorne was talking about they needed those home runs, and yep. in June they made it count. They got those home runs. They had 46 home runs in the month of June. The next closest in Major League Baseball was 33. Unbelievable. And they also led the league in, uh, you know, home runs lead to a high isolated power. They also led the league in isolated power with 185. And on June 23rd, mentioned Chris Davis earlier, uh, just now, Chris Davis comes up to the plate in a very clutch situation. It's June 23rd. Uh, he's facing the White Sox down four to three with two on and one out here in the ninth inning at home in front of the home crowd facing the Chicago White Sox, as mentioned, men on first and second, you got a full count, one out, down one. Here we are. Hit into only two double plays this year. 3-2 delivery, and a fly ball, right field, it is way back, Chris Davis, goodbye, home run, Orioles win, bottom of the I love Buck Showalter being on the top step of that dugout there, ready to greet his player after that. Absolutely. I mean, Showalter was experienced, and he definitely knew knew how to lead and get respect from the players. That's right. So, hey, now we're on to July. And if you thought 16 and 12 in June was good, try 17 and 8 in July. That's the third best winning percentage in the majors. They're one and a half games up in the AL East at the end of the month. And guess what it was? It was the pitching that stepped up this month. Their 296 team ERA was fourth in the majors. Their 1.16 whip was fifth. Also that bullpen, it had the second best war in the month in the league during the month. And 11 of their 17 wins were by two runs or less. So they were winning the close games. And that's, that's kind of a pitching thing. That's them keeping it into it, you know, shutting down the door in any close situation. 
And one of the big starting pitchers for the Orioles that month was Miguel Gonzalez. 29 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 1.82 ERA, and a 95.1% left on base rate. He was getting the clutch outs when he needed them. Also in the bullpen, Zach Britton was the guy closing it out. He had 11 saves during the month, and nobody else had more than nine. He had 13 in the third innings pitched, an 0.75 whip. Of course, it's July, so it's the month of the MLB All-Star Game. Adam Jones and Nelson Cruz both started for the AL in that, in that game, and Matt Wieters, the catcher, was also there. And then on trade deadline day, they bolstered their bullpen by getting Andrew Miller from the Red Sox. They traded a pitching prospect named Eduardo Rodriguez to get him, but Miller would be coming out of that Orioles bullpen, and that's not something that hitters like to see. Also, on July 29th, Manny Machado came up looking to set the tone for the month of August. So there it is, Manny Machado with a walk-off home run against the best team in the AL at that time, the Angels. Orioles were battling the Angels for that title at that time. And Manny Machado, as you mentioned, he definitely set the tone for August. In August, they did not pull off the gas pedal at all. 17-8 and in July, how about 19-9 and in August? That was the best winning percentage in the majors for that month in August. Orioles hitters led the American League in home runs again with 47, with the next closest American League club having 31 home runs. I mean, that's like 50% better than the rest of the field. They also led the league uh, that month in isolated power with 205. The next closest uh, in isolated power was 163, about 42, po 42 points more than the next best. They also led in slugging percentage with 463, OPS with 784, WOBA with 344, weighted runs created plus with 119, and also wins above replacement with 6.6. .6. So pretty much every offensive category except for average, which, you know, slugging and OPS probably conquer that, you know, especially OPS. Pretty much every offensive category they were leading in the month of August, which, you know, led them to a 19-9 record in that month. Not bad. Some standouts. Some standouts in that month. J.J. Hardy. He slashed 322, 378, 533 for a 911 OPS. Had a 400 WOBA, which was eighth in the American League in the month of August. Had a 158 weighted runs created plus, which, which was also eighth in the American League. And a 1.3 wins above replacement, which was tied for second in the American League. He was about the he was one of the top three players in the American League in the month of August. Nick Markakis was also doing very well in that month of August. 
Uh, he slashed 288, 349, 432 for a 781 OPS, and also had 122 weighted runs created plus. And then on the pitching side of things, Chris Tillman was spectacular in the month of August. He had a 4-0 record with a 1.33 ERA. That 1.33 ERA was second in Major League Baseball. That's right. So now the Orioles are on to September. They are far and away the best team in the AL East, and it is time for them to finish what they started and win this division championship for the first time since 1997. But before they do that, we need to talk about the game that they played on September 7th in Tampa because it, because it is, without a doubt, my favorite game that they played in the regular season. So we're going to jump to the, to the top of the ninth inning. The Orioles were losing 4-2 to against the Rays, but they had the bases loaded with one out. And Nelson Cruz, who had already hit a two-run homer, of course the Orioles had two runs, they, were, they came on a Nelson Cruz two-run homer, he came back up in the ninth with bases loaded and one out, trying to save the game for the O's. Cruz at the plate. And that's a base hit the other way! Game is at least going to be tied! Flaherty will score! Brady's will score! Orioles going for the lead! Here's the relay to the plate! Not in time! Throw to third! It's a triple! He clears them! Nelson Cruz! Three RBIs! And the Orioles have a 5-4 lead! Just to give you an idea, since 2014, Nelson Cruz has five triples in his career and that was one of them when he did it most and so of course that means Cruz has driven in all five runs for the O's but the Rays actually tie it in the ninth it's 5-5 going into extras and in the 11th Cruz comes up again looking to give him the lead again wiggle out of this one one down Nelson Cruz you do it again ball in the air way back center field and goodbye home run an unbelievable day for Nelson Cruz he now has hit two home runs and has seven RBIs in this ball game and for the second time puts the Orioles ahead seven to five Greg Gibson the home so as Gary Thorne says, an unbelievable game for Cruz, but just how unbelievable was it? Well, listen to this. Cruz that game had four hits, two home runs, and seven RBIs. There have been only five of such games in the history of the Baltimore Orioles, and Cruz's was the first since Eddie Murray did it in 1985. He also drove in all seven runs for the Orioles on this day, and his win probability added for this single game was 1.2. To give you an idea of how good a 1.2 win probability added is for one game, it is the only single game in Orioles history where a position player has done that. And it has only happened 12 times in the history of all of baseball since 1904. So essentially, Cruz had one of the top 12 most clutch position player games ever, and he had the clutchest game in Orioles history on September 7th. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So now on September 16th, the Orioles are playing the Blue Jays at home, looking to clinch the American League East. All in two strikes on goals. Round ball to first. There's Pierce. And the Orioles are champions of the AL East. 
So the Orioles are AL East champs for the first time since 1997. And one of my favorite traditions with this team got taken to another level after the celebration. And you'll see what I mean later. But after walk-offs, the Orioles had this tradition, which was formed before 2014, but it got most of its identity this year, where after any walk-off, players, usually Adam Jones, would pie people in the face during interviews. And we have a compilation of that right here. Good, I'm strong. I'm all right. He's like, okay, you got this. Well, Miguel, you're really efficient. Oh, <laughs> wow. Space, you think you hit it? Think about it. <laughs> hey, no doubt I make the right call. Come here and, and play for the organization. Now, you had a very patient at that, and now, welcome to Baltimore, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Tough, you know, you start really tough, you know, it's a good pitcher, you know, it's very hard and you have a good job by too, you know. You know, the pie just went by you. No! Uh, and then it came back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so wait, so now this is home runs in two consecutive games. Can we count on one tomorrow? Uh, I'm going to do my best, like, like. Oh, there we go. I think it's a great approach. <laughs> oh, he missed! <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's a good approach um, against left-handed pitchers. It helps you stay stay square and, and not like I've been in the past. And to have Caleb back there, you know, me and him have been together before. It was amazing. It was absolutely great. <laughs> Welcome to the majors. I was doing a lot of extra work and, and taking a lot of swings, and today. I, <laughs> Today I kind of took a step back. <laughs> you know what? That's the best way to accept it. <laughs> now you make that great play defensively, and you're about to get a visit from a friend. Try it. Try it. Try it. Try it, Ray. No taste. You got beat by a veteran. Now you're one of the guys, Ray. Now you're one of the guys. Yeah. <laughs> So listen, I know the Orioles aren't the only team that does the pie in the face after these interviews, but the fact they did it in a different style every time. You never knew what was going to happen next. Adam Jones would sneak attack someone. He would put it right in someone's face and then do it. He would do it to himself when he wasn't being interviewed. He did it differently every single time, and that's why the Orioles made it more their thing than anyone else during this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they... He uh he was a he was a great presenter. He was a great performance artist with the pies for sure. So during the AL East uh, title celebration, Adam Jones took this pieing to the next level.
was no one on earth having more fun in that moment than Adam Jones. Like getting to getting to go into the crowd and pieing someone in the face, celebrating with the fans. That's a moment he had waited for for his entire career at that point, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, he he had been in the league since, you know, 07, 08, and mm-hmm. he had never had a real celebration moment. Maybe the 2012 Especially, wild card game. But even most of that was at, on the road, right? Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. The wild card game was on the road. I don't know if they clinched the playoffs at home or not, but it couldn't have been as wild a celebration as that. Yeah, this was a divisional win. This is what you're trying to accomplish the whole year in the regular season. And, uh, no, he was was the life of the party at Camden Yards. He was there for it. The Orioles, as a team, finished the season 96-66, and their best season since that 97 season when they won the division title. They went 36-19 and from August 1st on. That was the best record in the AL. They also had the best run differential in the majors. And like I've mentioned earlier, they led the majors in home runs with 211. So now I'm going to talk about what I call the birds of flight, my favorite performers on this team from this season. Nelson Cruz, of course, has to be the first one. He led the majors in home runs with 40. I mean, won the home run king, second Oriole in a row to do it after Chris Davis in 2014. Or in 2013, I'm sorry. He slashes 271, 333, 525 for an 859 OPS, a 137 OPS plus, and he gets seventh in the MVP vote. Adam Jones, 281, 311, 469, 780 slash line, 4.7 F4, was tied for fifth among AL outfielders. He won a gold glove that season, and he was 14th in the MVP vote. J.J. Hardy, the shortstop, he won a gold glove for his, the third consecutive year. Another guy winning a gold glove, Nick Markakis, the right fielder. Now back into that rotation that SB Nation said wasn't ready. Chris Tillman was leading it, 13-6 record with a 3-3-4 ERA, 118 ERA plus. He led the AL in games started, so he was always available. A 2-3-3 ERA in the second half, and that was 20th in the majors. Miguel Gonzalez, a 3-2-3 ERA in 159 innings pitched. He was almost qualified but he couldn't quite get there but that's okay he had 122 era plus an 85.5 percent left on base base rate which led all 102 pitchers that threw at least 150 innings that year he also had a 219 era in the second half that was 13th in the majors andrew miller after being traded a 15.3 strikeouts per nine that ranked fourth in the majors an 06 whip led the majors as well as an 072 SI ERA. Zach Britton, the closer, had a 165 ERA and an 09 whip. Darren O'Day, the guy who throws like Chad Bradford from Moneyball, a 17 ERA with an 089 whip. Buck Showalter won manager of the year. And Chris, none of these guys that I've mentioned were the bad were the baseball reference wins above replacement leaders on this team. The How guy, so? The guy who led it was Steve Pierce. He had a 5.8 B-War despite only playing 102 games. And since 1982, Steve Pierce in 2014 is the only player to play 108 games or less and have a 5.8 B-War or higher. He only played 102 games, mind you. And this was his first season playing at least 62 games, let alone 102. And by the way, he debuted seven years ago in 2007. And injuries kept him off the field as well as sort of just being a platoon guy. So this was the first year where he really got to show who he was, and he did it very well. He slashed 293, 373, 556, 930, a 157 OPS plus. 
His slugging percentage ranked sixth in the majors among hitters with at least 350 plate appearances. He also had a 704 slugging percentage against lefties in 111 plate appearances, and that led the majors among all hitters with at least 100 plate appearances against lefties. Also, with runners in scoring position, he hit 319, 390, 569 for a 960 OPS. Steve Pierce was doing just about everything right in the short time that he was up for them. I mean, even still leading B Ward despite only playing 102 games. One thing, one thing I got to mention about the uh, the regular season. I forgot to mention this in July. Uh, question for you: Have for for all the teams we've done, have you attended one of their games during the regular season? Because I actually did for the yeah, I, did. I was at a 2015 Royals game. Believe it or not. Yeah, I was at a uh, 2014 Red Sox versus Orioles game where the Orioles um, Orioles uh, were up six to one. Then they blew the lead, and then they got the lead in, in extras. So, well, little I, I was wondering because uh, we haven't mentioned it uh, ever, but interesting, <laughs> interesting thing yeah. there. I guess I was at yeah no I was at a 2015 Royals game it was at Fenway the Royals won Salvador Perez hit a three run homer into the Red Sox bullpen and uh, yeah, yeah I mean I wasn't they won the game and I wasn't too happy back then but obviously covering the team last week uh, made it a lot more fun yeah got to see it in person cool so now the Orioles are on to game game one of the American League Division Series their first division series in two years but their first division title of course in nearly 20 years Chris Tillman is getting the start against Max Serger of the Detroit Tigers. And Tillman, with a great start to the game, strikes out the side on 14 pitches. And in the bottom of the first, Nelson Cruz follows up that great first inning performance from Tillman the only way he knows how. With the Texas Rangers back in 2011. And that ball's hit deep right center field. Hunter looks up, and there she goes! Nelson Cruz! statement that is took the air out of the stadium in a double play ball and you see Cruz jumps on the first pitch opposite Johnson and gotta love Eckersley with the opposite Johnson call there <laughs> so the second inning was not as kind to Chris Simon. he gives up back-to-back home runs to Victor and JD Martinez to make it two to two and in the bottom of the second, the Orioles got runners on the corners with two outs, and Nick Markakis was coming up. And a swing and a drive in the right center field. And he's going to fall. A base hit. Flaherty scores. Over to third goes Scope. Another two-out RBI. Markakis. So now it is 3-2 Baltimore. They got a lead, and it would stay that way for quite a while. And eventually, J.J. Hardy came up looking to extend the lead. I mean, lined out in the second, grounded out in the fourth. And Hardy hammers out in deep left center field. That is way back there. And J.J. Hardy adds one for the
So now it is 4-2 Baltimore. They're looking pretty good. But then in the eighth inning, Miguel Cabrera hits a solo home run to make it 4-3. And Max Serger was fading, but the Tigers had to rely on their bullpen to keep them in the game. This is the bullpen with the fourth worst F war in the majors. So let's see what the Orioles could do in the eighth inning against this Tiger bullpen. Orioles got two in the first on a Nelson Cruz two-run home run. The ball's hit well right field line. No chance for Hunter. That's going to the wall. And Diazza on his way to second. It's a one-out double. Brad Osmus will take the ball from Matt Scherzer. He has never lost a division series game in the postseason. He's on the hook right now. Here comes Chamberlain. Chamberlain and the Tigers trying to keep the Orioles at four on the ground. Oh, it's bobbled. Romar can't handle it. And coming around to try to score is Deaza. He's in there. Deaza comes all the way around on an error by Romine. And it's 5-3 Orioles. Runner in scoring position now with one out. Through for a base hit. Nelson Cruz delivers again. Jones will score. 6-3 Baltimore. Cruz will chase Chamberlain. Osmus goes back to the bullpen. And about to get paid in a big way for next season. He's a free agent. Pierce on the first pitch. Joaquin Soria enters the game and immediately in trouble. And now Cruz on his way to third short hop safe. And now way to second and safe without a throw is Steve Pierce good base running there second and third Brand, we're going to see a lot of this over the course of this series he was scared to death after the seven Soria and Flamby on the first pitch base hit cruises in they will hold Pierce sensing a big inning they've already got one going three are in now first pitch half Ryan Flaherty with an RBI Oblique injury that knocked him out. A slow roll to short. And a slow throw to first. He's in time for the out. That's going to bring in another run, though. That's a two out ground out. A one out ground out to get to two outs. And it is now 8 3 Baltimore. Type of games you go back out there, and next thing you know, you get the bases loaded. There's a line drive to right. That's down. Two more coming in. Scope on his way to second. It's a two RBI double, and the O's are pouring it on here in the eighth. Going to be the fourth pitcher of the eighth inning for the Tigers. Osmus makes another change. Skips away. Scope on his way to third base. No throw, and it is all going bad for the Tigers. In a game against Scherzer. Full count, Marquez goes into right center field, down, base hit. In the score is Scope. Deaza right behind him, pouring it on the Orioles. Two more score. Deaza with a double. So the Orioles open up the floodgates in the eighth inning. They score eight runs, and that would just about be it. The Orioles win the game 12 to 3. So now, game two, Orioles got to follow that up. It's a 0-0 pitcher's duel between Justin Verlander and Wee and Chen, which is, of course, you know, just how you'd expect it to be. 
And in the third, Jonathan Scope hits a two-out single, setting up for Nick Markakis. Got a chance to score. There he goes. That ball's driven right field. Hunter turns and watches this one go. A home run. Markakis, a two-run shot. And the Orioles are on the board first. wants to make sure that ball cleared the fence and right field. I definitely think it did. I thought it did too. I thought it hit that curbing back there behind that little roof line. That was a if it went over the fence. That's a good point. It had to hit something hard there like that hole. It would have pitched forward you're saying if yes. it would have hit. I get it. Yes. That's a good point. So the crew chief there is Jeff Kellogg. He's on your left. The calling umpire. What a huge Paul call Schreiber, this is. Who is the, the right field umpire who made the home run call. And they're in communication with the replay challenge center in Chelsea, New York. And there is an umpire assigned to this game. There are multiple umpires and supervisors in that control room. And they're going to be the ones who make this decision. And the decision is coming. Home run. Whoa. So Nick Markakis puts the O's on top, but unfortunately for the O's, the fourth inning wasn't as kind. Five batters in, five two Tigers. RBI single from VMart, three-run home run for J.D. Martinez, home run for Nick Castellanos. In the bottom of the fourth, J.J. Hardy hits an RBI single to make it five to three Tigers. The score would remain that way until the top of the eighth when VMart hit another RBI, hit an RBI double to make it six to three. The Tigers' winning percentage sits at 95%. However, the bullpen is now in the game as Anibal Sanchez is done. It's time for the Orioles to try and get another late rally in. Inside that hit him. So Jones is hit by a pitch. That Victor Martinez RBI in the top of the inning looking bigger now with Nelson Cruz. And a bullet in the left field, a base hit. First and second for the O's. The tying run will bat in this eighth inning. That's what you're kind of looking for. You go after it anyway. Pierce in the right field, a base hit. Jones around third, he'll score. It's a two-run game as Steve Pierce with an RBI single to the opposite field. Great adjustment by Pierce. Tried to pull that slider on the pitch before. Goes the other way with this one. Now this is a beautiful thing. It's not a new problem for the Tigers. In the last five games, they've allowed 18 earned runs. Another one is in. Tigers looking to turn a double play to get him out of the setting. And Hardy takes ball four. Bases loaded. And now the tying run in the scoring position. And Delvin Young will bat, announced as the pinch hitter. Everybody knows he's ready to fire on the first one. Bases loaded. Young swings, line drive, and he's down and to the wall. Cruz is in. Pierce is in. Hardy around third. He's going to try to score. And a 
So Delman Young comes through for the O's, an offseason acquisition from the previous year, pays his dues in the biggest way possible. The Orioles would go on to win that game 7-6, one game away from the ALCS. So now game three in Detroit. The Tigers were threatening in the third inning with a man on second with one out, and Torrey Hunter was coming up trying to get Detroit in the lead. Earlier this season here in Detroit back in April. And on the ground to short, Hardy will look back to run and throws to second. Kelly got caught short, and he is out. Jonathan Scope put his big linebacker body right in front of the bag. And Don Kelly couldn't get there. He just laid down on him. There was no way <laughs> Kelly was going to get back to the bag. I wasn't sure he caught that ball. He sort of fell on top of him and then finally recovered. But we'll see if he caught it cleanly. Well, remember, Brad Osmus has already used his challenge. And so the umpires get together here. He's got to get back right there. He's going to yeah. be out with any kind of throw. See, he didn't he had to control the ball. He dropped the ball, but he had mauled him. You know, think about it. See, he doesn't catch this cleanly. He drops it. And then he catches. So a big heads up play there by Hardy and Scope to get out of the jam. And Bud Norris got the start for the Orioles, and he was nothing short of dominant. Six and a third innings pitched, two hits, no runs, two walks, and six strikeouts, a game score of 73. However, David Price was also dealing for the Tigers. It is a 0-0 game in the sixth inning, and Nelson Cruz, of course, comes up looking to put the Orioles or just someone on the board. The score as well if it's in a gap or down the line and that one's hit hard right field line Cruz watching this one slice and it is a fair ball home run Nelson Cruz just sneaks it inside the foul pole a two-run home run for Cruz and the Orioles are on top they strike first in the sixth inning this looked like a harmless fly ball down the right field line. I thought it was just going to go foul. I didn't think it even had enough. You're talking about 330 down that line. He snuck it in there. Fan dropped the ball, said he wants no part of it. So Nelson Cruz has put the Orioles on top. And now in the bottom of the ninth inning, the Orioles are three outs away from the title, the American League Division Series title. The Tigers had men on first and second with one out and already a run in. And Hernan Perez came up trying to play the hero for Detroit. Game and sends the Orioles to the next round. And a ground ball to third. Flaherty, second base, scope, the turn in time. And the Baltimore Orioles sweep the Tigers. The O's are moving on to the American League Championship Series. After back-to-back -back doubles to start the inning, Zach Britton locks down the Tigers, and the move by Buck Showalter pays off. That is huge, you know, for him to walk Castellano. I tell you what, that was the, the move of the game because they didn't have a bench. And there it is. The Orioles are advancing to the American League Championship Series. Nelson Cruz dominated against Detroit. A, sla a slash line of 500, 500, 1,000, 1,500. Two home runs and five RBI. Alejandro Deaza went three for eight with a 1069 OPS. J.J. Hardy, three, 300, 
417-600-1017. Orioles pitching as a whole had a 3-3-3 ERA, and they also hit 476 as a team with runners in scoring position. Not bad. That's almost half the time they're coming through with a man on second or third. Unbelievable. And they head to the American League Championship Series against another team who can pull it off in the clutch. We know them, the 2014 2014 Royals. I was about to say Orioles again. The 2014 Royals. So it's a matchup. The Orioles actually have home field advantage in the series again. And in game one, they are facing off against the Royals. And the Royals take it to them early on. They get a 4-0 lead in the third. But the Orioles were able to chip away. And soon, it was 5-4 Kansas City in the sixth inning. And that leads to Alejandro Deaza coming up to the plate with men on second and third looking to turn the tides of this baseball game. Escobar had it up by 10 feet if his throw is true. Blooper in the infield. It's going to fall. And the game is tied. Talked about Gordon. It's not how hard you hit it. This ball's right off the fist. Escobar makes a great effort to try to catch in the air, and Scope makes a great read. Maybe a little premature, and he scores. So Alejandro Diaz gets that single, you know, non-traditional single to drive in one run to make it a five-to-five game. And the game ended up going into extras with that 5-5 five to five score. But unfortunately for the Orioles, Darren O'Day gave up home runs in the 10th inning to both Alex Gordon and Mike Moustakas. The Royals ended up winning game one, 8-6. But, you know, not the end of the world for the Orioles. They go into game two, and it is tied 4-4, to four, entering the ninth inning. Zach Britton, unfortunately, though, could not survive as Alcides Escobar and Lorenzo Cain each got RBIs in the ninth inning to make it 6-4 to four Royals, and the Royals ended up winning by that score. Then the, the uh, series moves over to Kansas City, where in Game 3, Jeremy Guthrie and the Royals' bullpen absolutely dominated as the Orioles only had three hits in game three of the American League Championship Series. Alex Gordon actually had an RBI ground out, and Billy Butler had a sacrifice fly. The Royals win The Royals win that game, that game three, doing some small ball. They win that game two to one. Then in game four, the Royals uh, are looking, looking to finish off the series, and they get two quick runs in the first off of a fielder's choice, um, fielder's choice slash error. Uh, Ryan Flaherty came up big for the Orioles. He had a solo home run in the fourth to make it two to one Royals. But unfortunately for the Orioles, that was all the offense that the Orioles could muster off of Jason Vargas and that dominant Royals bullpen. 
the Royals won that game two to one and they won the series four to four to nothing. Uh, but some standouts for the Baltimore Orioles, some, some rays of sunshine for the Orioles in that, uh, in that series. Ryan Flaherty, as previously, previously mentioned, he slashed 333, 467, 583 for a 1050 OPS. And Andrew Miller was untouchable in the appearances he had. He went four innings, allowing zero runs, and had a .25 whip. So he gave up one base runner in four innings. Gave up one base runner the entire series. The Orioles as a team uh, hit 217 with a 580 OPS. Um, definitely not a recipe for success. And then when you add in their mediocre to below average 437 team ERA that series, you're not going to get uh, any wins doing that. But that wasn't, you know, you can't really remember them for their American League Championship Series. Why do you think, why do we think that the that 2014 Orioles should be remembered? Well, the Orioles, Chris, in 2014, they brought winning baseball back to Baltimore. You know, I know it. they had, you know, playoff runs in 2012, but it really didn't have the same magnitude and the same atmosphere in Camden Yards that it had in 2014. This just felt different. It felt good. You know, Adam Jones was out celebrating with the crowd, you know, feeling some sort of way that he didn't in 2012. And this was really the first big spotlight the Orioles had. Of course, they also won a playoff series. And they proved the, po- the preseason doubters wrong, especially with the pitching. You know, Chris Tillman was able to step up big for them this year. They got a lot of, you know, people stepping up. Of course, Steve Pierce, I've mentioned before. You know, Miguel Gonzalez, Bud Norris. Um, you know, Zach Britton stepping up as the closer after Jim Johnson left. Nelson Cruz on a one-year deal, doing as much as he can. Adam Jones staying as the face of the franchise. There's so many. The list goes on. And, of course, I mean, they had a lot of thrilling moments in that American League Division Series, too. You know, the, the Delman Young double is under the radar, one of the best postseason moments in all of baseball in the last decade. And, you know, that was, that was such an electric crowd that day at Camden. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the the crowd particularly. That's a good point because I, um, during 2012, I actually took a trip to Camden, and it was August, and the the stadium was still not very full at all. But I yeah. think in 2014, things kind of changed. You know, this is like, hey, this is this is the legit. Yeah, this is for because 2012 they were um, in the wild card hunt. They weren't leading the division by any means necessary. 2014 mm-hmm. they were far and ahead the rest of the american league east so the exactly the, the also, whole city bought in also they kind of ended the the tigers big championship window yeah yeah they you know not made it back to the postseason since then delman young just ruined them you know 20 2014 tigers we talk about how amazing that pitching staff is historically uh you know max scherzer justin verlander david price are the three main ones. And then you got uh, all Cy Young winners in that rotation that year. Yeah. They still had three Cy Young winners in that, in that division series. And I guess Verlander, they maybe had lost to, but both, you know, because of the bullpen uh, blowing it for him, but even still just knocking two of those three out, you know, giving them losses. Very impressive. Yeah. And they had Anibal Sanchez who Mm -hmm. won the ERA title in, in 2013 it was just an unbelievable pitching staff, and it did not phase. It didn't really phase the um, the Orioles at, at all, you know. Not and at all, yeah. And the pitchers were able to match up with them 
pretty much. Yeah, Wei and Chen too. Yeah, Wei and Chen, um, Bud Norris, and, uh, Tillman. and Chris Tillman for sure. And Gonzalez as well. Mm-hmm. So that is going to do it for the 2014 Orioles, a team super powerful, super electric, super fun with, you know, the pies and everything like that. Adam Jones was just literally playing the game for the love of it, not for any other reason. He was just like a little kid out there that year. And it is time for our favorite part of the show. Chris, uh, do you want to explain our, our process today? Cause you haven't done it yet. Yes, this, if this is your first time listening to the Should Be Named Later history series, uh, because there's been no baseball, basically when, when COVID was at its peak, when COVID was at its peak, uh, we figured, hey, you know, there's not going to be baseball for a while, clearly, um, and we have been proven right. Uh, so we figured, hey, let's talk about 30 players and 30 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, or talk about as many players and teams uh, every week as possible um, for the next, whenever, till whenever baseball comes back and potentially even during the season. Um, So I have picked 30 players. Uh, Daniel has picked 30 teams. Each week we pick a random number because we have randomly assigned numbers to each of these players and teams um, Mm -hmm. through like computer randomizers. And yeah, that's the selection process. We have nothing to do with it. We just picked the 30 players and 30 teams, and we it's purely random. So uh, who's picking first this week? I think I am. All right. We're going to go with player number 19. Player number 19. Finally. A it's our first pitcher. Yes. Thank God. It yes. took way too long to get a pitcher. We did it, though. Yes, it is finally a pitcher. So in uh, – this this past winter, we induct uh, the the voters wrote in, voted in the second Canadian Hall of Famer. This upcoming week, we are going to be talking about the first Holy Canadian Jenkins. Hall of Famer ever, Ferguson Jenkins. Okay, a pitcher never never pitched in the playoffs, but should be remembered in that era. Nice uh, as uh, one of the one of the greats. You know, one of those guys that. Uh, you know, where baseball, you know, part of the dead ball era was kind of brought back in like the late sixties and seventies run production went down a lot. And it was partially because of guys like Fergie Jenkins. Um, in 2017, I went to Wrigley and they were giving away like Fergie Jenkins flags. Yeah. That's... I, have a big, I have a big Jenkins 31 flag somewhere in my basement. And I'll try to find that. <laughs> that's, that's big time. That's good. Yeah. I like yep. that. So finally, we're talking about a pitcher. Yeah, thank God. It took long enough. It took long enough. So uh, we are going to be talking about team team number – we're going to be talking about team number four. Team number four is a World Series championship team that doesn't get a lot of recognition in recent history. It is the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies. Nice. We got Chase Utley. We got Jimmy Rollins. We got Cole Hamels, I believe, was on that team. He won um, World Series. Manuel as the manager. Ryan Howard. Shane Victorino, one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm. that's a good one. That's a good one to talk about. All right, so that is our next week. Yeah, we got Fergie Jenkins and the 2008 Phillies. Love it. Going to be a fun one. 
So that was part two of the of episode 42 of the Showed Me Name Later. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on Twitter at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show on Instagram at STBNL Podcast. Gonna have a lot of good content on there. Our whole library of, of uh, cool videos and stuff. And uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you want to watch the videos with us, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called STBNL with Chris Gianta and Daniel Curran. Okay. We hope you enjoyed our episode on Hannes Wagner and the 2014 Orioles. And we look forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we're talking about Fergie Jenkins and on Friday when we're talking about the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies. See you then.